Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast as we enter week 15. And to kick it off, we are going to be joined by the Kansas City Chiefs Assistant General Manager Mike Borgonzi and his brother, the Chicago Bears linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi, in another great brother combination across the National Football League that doesn't get quite as much notoriety as maybe the Mannings or Boses or McCordys or St. Browns or Harbaugh's or Kelsey's or Pagano's. But they have made their own name in the National Football League, and we will hear from them today. We also will preview and provide insight into some of Week's 15 games. But before we get to that, there is, of course, another travel update. The season of travel hijinks, if you want to call it that, Continued Monday night in Arizona. Now, let's set the table by saying that we opened the season by taking a red-eye home from Seattle and happened to get on the plane where there was only one infant on the plane on a Monday weekday red-eye crying hysterically for two hours as the red-eye was taking off, and that infant happened to be right in front of me. And then there were any number of flights in which the Wi-Fi did not work, there was no television, and we just completely missed NFL action. There was the time when the flight attendant woke me up to see if I wanted something to drink or eat, and the light was on above my flight on another red eye, and it wouldn't go off the entire flight, and I couldn't go back to sleep once she woke me to see if I wanted a drink. But this one on Monday night, coming home from Arizona, might just top the list. My colleague at ESPN, Susie Colburn, and I were waiting to board the flight. They obviously had pre-boarding where people who needed extra time or added assistance could get on. And so by the time Susie and I walked onto the plane, there already was an elderly gentleman sitting in the seat directly next to me with a barf bag up against his face. So I walked up to him and I said, are you all right, sir? And he said, no, I'm not which was very apparent by the contents of the bag. And so I said, are you sick? Is it something else? What's the issue? And he said, I don't know, but I keep throwing up. Now, I have a seat directly next to this man on a red eye from Arizona to New York. So I really didn't know what to do. So I went back into the jetway and asked one of the flight attendants if there were any other empty seats on the flight, the Monday night Delta flight from Arizona to JFK. And unfortunately, there was not a single other seat on the plane. And so I stood out on the jetway, leaning up against the plane, waiting for every single person on the plane to board to see if there would be any empty seats. Now, let me also say that last year on my flight to Chicago, in my row was a man who was coughing and sneezing, not just at the beginning of the flight, not just in the middle of the flight, but for the entire flight. And lo and behold, three days later, I tested positive for COVID. I have no doubt whatsoever that I got COVID from the man sitting in my row on the flight to Chicago who coughed and sneezed the entire way there without a mask. So now I'm faced with the prospect of sitting next to a man who's vomiting the entire time next to the only seat left on the plane Or what do you do? So once it was apparent that everyone had bored, I turned around and asked the flight attendants, and there was the man 
being wheeled out on a wheelchair to his wife. Now, his wife had been standing in the jetway, too. Why she wasn't sitting next to him, her husband, in my seat, I still don't understand. I asked the flight attendant, how come his wife is not sitting next to him, but I am, other than my basic travel luck? And he said, sir, I cannot comment on that. That's their business. And I said, well, their business, in this case, is a little bit of my business. But I never got an answer as to why husband and wife, wife and husband, were not seated directly next to each other and why I had to be seated next to the elderly man who was throwing up into his vomit bag the entire time. Well, they wheeled him off the plane. They never should have let him on, but they did. And then they escorted him off on a wheelchair with his wife, who he should have been sitting next to, and allowed me to get back into the seat. They wiped down his entire seat in the entire area with all these wipies before I got on the flight. But I finally was able to board, wasn't able to go to sleep right away on the red eye, red eye like a lot of people do. But I guess in the end, all's well that ends well if that man, whoever he was, is doing okay. And we certainly wish him the best. And we are grateful and thankful that we did not have to fly back from Phoenix to New York next to the man holding the bag. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. And now, with that, we can move on to week 15. And there really was not a bigger story in the National Football League in week 14, in my mind, than the emergence, the start of the 49ers rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy. Now, let me say this also. I don't remember if I said this on the podcast last week or not, but you can watch quarterbacks in the preseason. And I think back on the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks that I've watched in the preseason, and I can think of only a few that have popped to me, that you've watched them and said, man, this guy can play. I remember watching Russell Wilson as a rookie quarterback in the preseason and thinking, this guy can play. And I remember watching Dak Prescott as a rookie quarterback in the preseason and saying, this guy can play. And I remember watching rookie quarterback Brock Purdy in the preseason and calling out and speaking to a few different 49ers people and saying, this guy can play. And they thought the same thing too. And when you listen to the teammates after Jimmy Garoppolo went down with the broken foot, they thought the same thing too. They face him every day in practice. And so it really was not surprising in any way to see how Brock Purdy performed in the first half of his first NFL start against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He did essentially 
what he had done during his time at Iowa State, and what he did during the preseason. And again, preseason is the preseason. There are not many conclusions to draw from it. It doesn't count, but it does matter. And that's why it mattered. Because you could see a guy like Brock Purdy flashing and popping. And the fact that he could play. And he can play. And the 49ers are in good hands. Now, he does go into Thursday night with an oblique injury. And it limited how much he could throw in the second half. And as we tape this on Tuesday morning, I do believe that Brock Purdy is going to play. He's going to fight through it on Thursday night to play against Seattle. But I don't think he's at full strength. But I want to watch, once again, the quarterback who flashed and popped during the preseason because I think he is a guy that this organization is going to be able to count on. And I think he's already emerged as a viable starter for the 2023 season. And I know people will say, wow, two games, he only played against Miami and Tampa. True. And I know people will say, well, Trey Lance is coming back. True. But I believe right now, Brock Purdy has an opportunity to continue to cement the idea that he could be the lead dog in 2023 because he's played that well. And I believe he's going to continue to play that well, leading this 49ers offense. It'll be one of the great storylines to follow the rest of the season. There are some other tremendous storylines as we get ready for the upcoming week 15, three games Saturday. How fun is that, right? To get football on a Saturday when college football is done and you can put on the TV and sit down and watch NFL games. First, we get the Colts and Vikings. Then we get the Ravens at the Browns and the Dolphins at the Bills. Now, on Tuesday morning, I think they're calling for seven inches of snow in Buffalo on Saturday night. And last week, the Dolphins had heaters on their bench at SoFi Stadium where it was 55 degrees. Well, they better get some extra heavy-duty heaters for Saturday night in Orchard Park because there may be snow. There may be a lot of snow. It may be very cold. And we will see how Tua Tungavailoa and the rest of that Miami offense fares in the frigid conditions of Buffalo. And then we move on to Sunday. Some interesting matchups. Who would have thought in Week 15 that maybe the most compelling matchup on Sunday might be the Detroit Lions at the New York Jets, right? If ESPN had been given that game for Monday Night Football back at the start of the season, uh, Detroit at New York in Week 15, oh, man. Well, that game right now looks tremendous. We've got two teams fighting to make the playoffs, two underdog stories, two teams that people didn't expect to see in this position, and it should be a tremendous matchup between Detroit and the New York Jets. On Sunday, we also get Bill Belichick going up against his former pupil, Josh McDaniels. Two teams maybe moving in a little bit of different directions with the Raiders blowing that Monday night game or that Thursday night game against Baker Mayfield and the Rams. And the Patriots coming off that big Monday night win in Arizona to keep their playoff hopes alive. And we'll see whether they can continue that in Las Vegas on Sunday. Tennessee versus the Chargers. Also an interesting matchup considering it's Justin Herbert's first career start against the Titans. We know how tough that defense can be, although it really struggled this past week. Bengals-Buccaneers, compelling matchup in Sunday Night Football. Giants-Commanders also should be pretty good with two teams fighting for the playoffs. All right, one team that's going to be in the playoffs is the Kansas City Chiefs. And their assistant general manager is one of the bright personnel minds in the game today, Mike Borgonzi. And he's got a brother, Dave Borgonzi, who is the linebackers coach in Chicago, coming off a bye week. So coming up a bye week, this would be an ideal time to get the brothers together to speak about their relationship 
and their lives in the National Football League. All right, men. So we've got Mike Borgonzi, the Chiefs general manager. We've got Dave Borgonzi, the Bears linebackers coach. And we've got a slew of brother combinations across the NFL. We've got the Mannings, the Boses, the McCourties, the Kelseys, the St. Browns, the Harbaugh's, the Paganos, the Ryans, and we've got the Borgonzis, right? Like, where do you guys fit in the pantheon of NFL great brother combinations across the league? And being that Mike is the older one, Dave, we're going to start with him first. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rattling off those names, we're, we're at the bottom. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's it's great to, to to work in the in the in, in the NFL, you know, having the brother combination and the family, but um, certainly those those people you just rattled off, um, we're, we're at the bottom right now. <laughs> Dave? Yeah, I would say we're also at the bottom of it. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good list there. Um, the one that stands out of the Ryans, just because I work with Rob Ryan, um, and he used to say it's, it's a family business. Um, <laughs> and it's true. Um, there's a lot of good names on that list. Well, Rob is actually, Rob is actually the one that kind of got you in, too. Yeah, yeah. My first job at the Dallas Cowboys, Rob Ryan was the one that got me in and uh, forever, forever indebted to him. How'd that happen? Wow, that's a long story. Um, so I was coaching at Harvard. It was 2011. And uh, Jason Garrett had a football camp at Princeton University. Uh, Jason has a camp every summer. And I went and worked the camp and, you know, strategically worked it because I had a buddy that was with the Cowboys, Ben Bloom who was a quality control coach and I was trying to get in the NFL. So I, I drove down to Princeton, you know, just trying to network. And I uh, met Rob, met Jason Garrett. And, you know, that was in early July, right? So it's the off season, it's summertime. Everything's kind of dead in the NFL. Um, I ended up getting married, you know, three days later, July 11th and go on the honeymoon. And then I'm on the last night of my honeymoon and I get a text from Ben Bloom saying, Hey, Rob wants to bring you to Dallas, Rob and Jason Garrett. And I'm like, man, I'm on my last night of my honeymoon. Like, I don't know how to tell my wife that we're going to move to Dallas, you know, because usually in the hiring cycle, you know, it's January, February. So this is in July and I'm on my honeymoon. And, you know, I knew it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So I don't want to tell the wife on the last night of the honeymoon that we're about to move. So I waited till we get home. And then we got home uh, that next day and I told her and I said, hey, you can't move right now, but I have to go. She said, well, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to San Antonio. There's training camp. I'm going to go work for the Cowboys. But it wasn't like a permanent job. It was basically like a, a two or three week internship and kind of, hey, see, see if this thing works. We'll see where it goes from here. So I go down there for two weeks and uh, the coach from Harvard calls me up, Tim Murphy. And he's like, hey, you know, are you coming back here or are you staying in Dallas? So then I had to have that conversation with Jason Garrett. And it was like, hey, coach, like, I have this job at Harvard. It's a good job of coaching the secondary, but, you know, I have this opportunity in Dallas. It's, it's not like a full-time coaching position, but it's a chance to get in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I came to the conclusion I was going to take a chance. So I stayed with the Cowboys that season. And then, uh, you know, 12 years later, I'm still in the NFL. How about that? Now, was Mike working in the NFL at that point in time, or was Mike coaching tight ends at Amherst? That was that was a while back. So I was with the Chiefs at the time, and I remember him calling me up saying, you know, they still haven't told me to leave yet. You know, the 53 cut came, the end of training camp, and they haven't, like, told me to leave. 
So I said, we'll stay there. <laughs> and he's like, well, they're not paying me right now. I said, well, just, you know, stay there and, and just show your value. Just, just show something you can do. And they obviously needed them during the season. So I'm sure, I'm sure Dave can tell you this, but he ended up, you know, sleeping in the facility that year, um, you know, as a volunteer. Um, and, you know, his wife's back home. They just got married. So, you know, the sacrifice that our wives make is just tremendous. And Alyssa's back there. I think she was teaching at the time. And Dave's in Dallas <laughs> sleeping in the office, not getting paid at the time. <laughs> so, literally, literally sleeping in the office, Dave? Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would sleep in the office. Um, it's funny because Will McClay was a pro scout at the time. And I was sleeping in the kind of the scouting wing of the building. And uh, Will and I got really close. Um, it was a really, you know, it was a, I don't want to say difficult, but it was a, it was a strange transition because uh, I just got married. I was 20, you know, 28 years old and I was sleeping in the office and, you know, Alyssa had to work my wife just because for the health insurance purposes. Um, but it was something that I'll never forget. It was an unbelievable experience. And, uh, you know, Jason Garrett was, you know, just a phenomenal person to work for. Um, those three years. And, you know, I learned so much. It was just a great experience to go from, you know, a kid who's grown up in Boston, you know, middle-class family, you know, coaching, you know, played at division three college, coached at one double A and all of a sudden you're with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, in the NFL. So it was like, it was a surreal experience. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, those guys that got me in the league, you know, Rob Ryan and Jason Garrett. Mike couldn't get you a job in Kansas city. What was the deal with that? You know, I tried, I tried. <laughs> Think you try Mike? I did. Yeah, no, we did. We, we, we were always, you know, I was always trying to look for openings and of course in Kansas city. And, and as soon as he got that opportunity, I said, you, you, you have to make the most out of it. And, you know, he, he did. Um, and he worked really hard that year and they ended up, um, you know, giving him a contract, I think, right, Dave, right at the end of the season. Yeah. Right at the end of the season, uh, I got a new contract. Um, I don't think people sometimes in the outside realize how hard it is to get into the NFL. It's really hard. Even if you know people and you get family in the, in the profession, it's really hard to get in. It's really hard to stay in, too, just because it's so competitive. So, Mike, what are Sundays like for the Borgnazzi brothers? Do you obviously go to your game, but are you watching to see how Dave's Bears team does as well and vice versa with you, Dave? Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, Dave's preparing for the game a lot of the times, but a lot of times I have his game on my phone watching it sometimes during our game, you know, just to see how they're doing. And, um, you know, we're in constant communication, you know, before the game, we always talk and then, you know, talking to our parents before the game, is kind of like a ritual. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm tuned into his game because I'm not, you know, I'm sitting up in the press box watching our games, but uh, I'm always tuned into his games to see how he's doing. Dave? Yeah, no, I'm always paying attention um, to see how the Chiefs are doing. I mean, obviously you're locked into your, your game, you know, the Bears game. Um, but, you know, if it's as soon as the Bears game's over, I'm checking the scores to see how the Chiefs are doing. Um, it is pretty neat because, like, now our, our kids are the same age. My son is five. Uh, Mike's daughter is five. And my daughter's seven. His son is seven. So our kids are, like, you know, they're the same age. Oh, and now wow. They're growing up in it. And they're kind of, you know, they're learning football and they're getting into the games and the scores. So it's it's been really fun for us. Do all the cousins root for the Bears and Chiefs or – are your kids just rooting for the Bears, Dave, and your kids just rooting for the Chiefs, Mike? Well, it's kind of funny. I, I think James, his youngest son the other day, said, 
he wanted to move to Kansas City because we're nine and two right now. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wants to be around a winner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but they'll turn around. But they, you know, it is fun though because they're at an age now where they're starting to realize, you know, what we do in the profession, and 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 certainly, you know, my kids are always rooting for the Bears, and I know Dave's kids are always rooting for the Chiefs. And then we all have a whole contingent back in Boston who were these Patriot fans who were trying to make into, you know, Chiefs fans and Bears. And, and that's tough to do. But, um, you know, I think we're we're, um, we're 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 starting to sway them a little bit. Right, Dave? Yeah. And it was really cool for us, Adam, is I really wanted to get into the NFL when I was like five or six years old because my dad would take us to Smithfield, Rhode Island, to Bryant College to take us to Patriots training camp practices. And this is before they were any good, right? So this was in the early 90s when they were terrible. And we, we used to go to doubles, you know, morning practice, afternoon practice. And we, we just loved it. And now it's really cool to see our kids go to training camp practices. Mike, Mike's family came up to Chicago for training camp practices. Um, and it's just fun for them to, to see it and go on the field and be around the players. Um, so it's kind of come full circle for us. Yeah, they, they, you know, I always say you don't know how lucky you are. You know, we, we used to be behind the ropes, you know, 100 yards watching practice. And, and you know, my son Joey's taking pictures with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey after practice. And I said, you don't know how lucky you have it right now. Um, you know, remember the days going down to Smithfield and and just seeing those plays. And, and they weren't very good at the time. But, I mean, it was guys like Urban Fryer and, and, and Andre Tippett. And those guys were like larger than life to us. And seeing those people it was before social media, so you didn't really have a connection with these these get these people. You didn't see them a lot. So when you got to see them in person, it was just I mean that had a profound impact on us when we were when we were little, when our parents used to take us down to those those training camps. It was a special time for us, and um, you know it's something that we always kind of reflect back on. You know, as we work in the, in the league today. So, Mike, where did the love for both of you come from to want to make this? a job, a full-time job, like you're going to training camp in Rhode Island, you're seeing the Patriots, but when does it take the next step to where you think there is the possibility that both of you, as crazy as that sounds, can make your living in the National Football League? I don't know if we ever thought that at the time. You know, for me, I, I was a dreamer. So I was saying, I'm playing in the NFL. So that, that was my dream the whole time. And I went to college and, and you know, had some tryouts and, and it didn't work out. And knew I wanted to stay involved in the game. Like both of us, you know, it wasn't just the NFL, it was, it was football, you know, it, it, the high school, college, if we ever made it to the NFL, great, you know, but we had to make our way and make connections. Um, but we, it was really never something we thought about. We didn't think it was possible back then, you know? Um, but as you work your way up and you work your way through college and, 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 and Dave, you know, worked at Syracuse and Harvard and I was at Amherst and Boston college and, you know, you say to yourself, you know, we, we can do it. You know, we can make these connections. And, and we did. Um, and, you know, something we never thought we could do. But, you know, we, we just that was a dream. But, you know, we didn't think it was possible at the time. Now, you mentioned playing football. You played football fullback, I believe. Correct. Yep, At Brown. At Brown. Mm -hmm. So what happened to the NFL career playing football? At Brown? How come you didn't evolve into the next or the first version? of somebody like Kyle Juszczyk. How did that not happen for you, Mike? Yeah, well, you know, you, you, you're very confident when you're, when you're playing and, and <laughs> I had a few workouts and I, I learned very quickly that, you know, it, I wasn't good enough to make it in the league. And uh, I think that's when I ended up coaching at Amherst College. And I said, you know, I just want to be around the game. I want to be in the game somehow. 
um, the, you know, the love and passion that we have for the game. And we knew that's what we wanted to do eventually. Um, but we, you know, I don't know if we ever would have dreamed of both working in the NFL at the same time. Dave, did you play in college? Did you, you went to Amherst College, right? At Powerhouse Amherst College. Yeah. yeah. And did you play there as well? I did. I played linebacker. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you know, you play Division Three. Now, Mike was good. Like, Mike could run. You know, he ran a good 40. I mean, Mike Mike was a le- legitimate college player. I'm 5'9". You know, I run like a 5'140". So, like, I knew I wasn't going to play in the NFL. Uh, but when you go to a school like Amherst, you're, you're not thinking I'm going to be a coach, right? So, so you're thinking you're going to work on Wall Street or go to law school. And because kind of that's what you're supposed to do when you go to one of those schools. So I did different internships when I was in college um, to ch- just to kind of get a taste of, hey, this is what it could be working. And, you know, I worked at Fidelity uh, for a summer internship. I worked at the state house. And then I was like, I don't know if I could do this. And then one summer I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the career center and I'm going to see if anybody works in the NFL because I just love football. And so we found somebody that worked for the Washington Redskins. Um, and she worked in the PR department. Her name was Michelle Tessier, and she went to Amherst College. And so I contacted Michelle. I said, look, I go to Amherst College. I'll do anything. I just want to get in the building. And she said, well, I can't pay you, but you can come work for me. So my college roommate lived in um, Ashburn, Virginia. And so I lived with him for the summer, and I worked for the, and I worked in the PR department. I was doing morning clips, and I loved it. So I did those internships at Fidelity and the State House in Boston. I'm like, this is, I, I can't go back to that. I need to work in the NFL. And so I graduate college because I was just a summer internship. And I'm, how can I parlay this into something to the NFL? Well, Matt Patricia, who was with the Patriots, right at the time, this was 2005, um, was with the Patriots. He was, uh, I think Matt was like the assistant offensive line coach at that time, but Matt had coached at Amherst College. Okay, so there was a connection with, Matt Patricia, um, Amherst College, and then I did this, you know, internship in Washington. So that kind of the people from Washington called uh, the Patriots to recommend me to Stacey James. And then that, the Matt Patricia connection helped me. So I ended up getting a season long internship with the Patriots. This was in 2005. So it was the year they lost to Denver in the playoffs. That was the Champ Bailey, Ben Watson play. Um, so I did that for a year. And so I'm doing the morning clips, you know. Every morning, you to drop yeah. off the clips to Scott Pioli, uh, Bears, uh, and that, you know you start to develop a relationship with those guys, Scott, um, Dante Skarnecchia, and so throughout the course, no, of the no year, clips to Bill Belichick. They went right to Bears. Okay, they go <laughs> okay, to yep. Bears and they go to Bill. Um, <laughs> so you know that that experience in networking with those guys. One day, uh, Coach Skarnecchia said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, I really want to coach. He said, well, you got to get a job. And I said, well, I'm trying. I don't, I don't really have a great network in the college football world. I played Division Three, So he said, hey, I know the head coach at Syracuse. Let me see if I can get you an interview. So I got an interview at Syracuse, and I ended up getting a, a GA job. Matt Patricia had also worked at Syracuse. So um, those, with those two helping me, you know, and their recommendations, it got me my job at Syracuse. And then uh, that kind of got my career started in coaching. Yeah. And there was this connection with Scott Pioli too. His roommates in college were from our hometown. So I, I remember, you know, Dave, I think when you had put your name in to, to get that PR internship with New England, Scott had called you one morning and left a voicemail. And so, you know, he gets the voicemail and we have, you know, our friends from back home, they're, they're all pranksters. So we're like, that's not Scott Pioli calling you. 
So, and it was Scott and, and he called him and, and I think Scott had a, a, a big, uh, you know, influence in, in, in hiring him there. And then, you know, of course, full circle, you know, a few years later, he ended up hiring me with the Chiefs. Um, so, you know, we owe a lot to Scott Pioli for really just getting a foot in the door. And I learned a lot from Scott, you know, for the years that I worked with him, but, you know, truly indebted to him for, for you know, for, for giving us the opportunity. Mike, you know what I noticed about Dave? He'll, he's willing to sleep anywhere. Like he sleeps in the Cowboys building. He sleeps <laughs> in his friend's house. He slept in some strange places to get to be in the position he is today, right? Well, I, I slept some nights in this building too. <laughs> that, that, that was before I was married. But <laughs> until my wife said, what are you doing? Um, but there were some years that I think it was my first or second year that I ended up, you know, listen, we came out here and I was in our 20s. We were all in our 20s here. We were single I got hired out here in 2009. There was a group of us. There was Nick Sirianni, Ryan Poles, Field Yates was there too as well. Um, so we were just, you know, trying to trying to make our way and trying to find some value to the to the team. And there were some nights that that um, that I certainly stayed in here. You have everything in the building. I mean, you got the weight room, you got a cafeteria, you got a place to sleep. I thought it was great. What would each of you say to the young people who might be listening to this particular podcast? who want to somehow find their way into the NFL. What would be your advice to them first, Mike, before we go to Dave? I would say, you know, work as hard as you can, remain humble, and network as much as you can. I mean, that, that's, that was really the formula that I think we had. You know, we, we never thought that we had all the answers. You know, certainly there was a lot of things that we had to learn. And, you know, along the way, we just, we, we took it, you know, season by season, day by day, and really just learned as much as we could about the business and then try to network and then just believe in yourself, you know, believe that we could someday work in the league. Um, but the, the big thing for me, the two traits were really just work ethic and humility for me. Hmm. Dave? Yeah, I would say, you know, just be relentless in chasing the dream, you know, but also, you know, you're always trying to advance in your career, but you got to be really good at the job you have right now. So I think sometimes you're always trying to chase your next job and you forget, hey, man, you got to you got to do good at your job that you have at the moment. So, you know, I always try to, you know, focus on, you know, the job that I have right now, but also keep in mind where you want to go, you know, going forward. I think sometimes where where you can steer yourself wrong is you take your eye off your present job and you're chasing the next one. Um, so for me, you know, I was thinking about being a GA or coaching a one double football. You're always trying to take that next step up. But you got to be really good at your job that you have right now because those people are going to recommend you that you're working with for that next job. You know, people would always ask me, what do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? I never worried about that. I never really thought much about it and probably maybe should have thought about it a little bit more than I did. But I just felt like I had to pour myself into the job the way it was. And if I did that, then things would take care of themselves, whatever that was. Yeah. And that's exactly the way that, you know, we certainly did a lot of jobs. I'm sure you did, Adam, too, that, you know, were, were things that you really didn't want to do at the time. You know, I remember being at Boston College and, and, and doing operation stuff and, you know, setting up itineraries and doing meals and, and travel and, and doing that here, too, with the Chiefs. And, you know, I wanted to evaluate players and, and, and build a team. But we knew at the time that that was the job that we um, were required to do. And we, we try to do it to the best of our ability. Yeah, I, I think about the morning clips in New England, and they wanted a hard copy on their desk at 6 a.m. 
And I lived in Everett and, you know, driving to Foxborough, you know, is about a four minute drive. So you had to get up early. You know, you had to go over the Internet, you know, copy paste into Microsoft Word, you know, make this big document and print it out. But it was a way, even though it was a monotonous job, but it was a way to show your work ethic and show that you cared about it. And it gave you an opportunity to go down every morning when the coaches are down there and interact with them and give them something at six in the morning to show that you have work ethic. So I actually think that job really propelled me because it showed the coaches, although it had nothing to do with X's and O's, um, that I would work. And I think that helped in them recommending me to Greg Robinson in Syracuse. Greg Robinson, another guy I know. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos team that I covered that won the Super Bowl. That's right. Two Super Bowls. Uh, Amazing how these things, they're all connected. All the people are connected so many times. You guys, obviously brothers, know each other better than anybody. Dave, what is the thing that impresses you most about Mike? Oh, his work ethic. Um, You know, just how he approaches his job. Um, I think Mike has a great work ethic. I think Mike is a great family man, too. Just seeing him be a dad, um, how he interacts with his family. Um, He's always been a, a person I've always looked up to. You know, obviously he's three years older. You know, he was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. So he was a starting fullback and I was a scout team linebacker. Right. So he used to kick my butt. Um, but Mike was always a great example for me about how to work hard and how to be disciplined. And Mike, what impresses you most about Dave? Well, you know, being the little brother, you know, growing up and then and then once we, you know, graduate high school and get into college and, and just seeing him grow up and you know, being impressed by, he kind of made his own path, you know, just his work ethic too. Um, you know, and the way he kind of, he kind of molded his own way. We, we both got to this league in, in different paths. I mean, we didn't, you know, I was I didn't, I tried to help him, but he made his own way. Um, so, you know, his work ethic, his resiliency, um, you know, I'm certainly proud of him. Um, you know, I looked at him as a little brother, but you know, certainly at times, you know, I was looking up to him here, you know, he's even, you know, as he moved up the ladder here and I'm saying, you know, I'm proud of him, you know, the way he works and the way, you know, he, he's a family man and the way he's a father and he's a wife and, um, you know, the way he treats his, his family is just, um, you know, really proud of him. I know we're not into looking ahead too much, but could it be that the Borgnazzi brothers ever work together again? Is that something that the two of you would like to do one day? Certainly. I think that that would be the goal, right? You know, that would be, that would be great to get our families together. We, you know, the one thing about, you know, being in, in separate places right now, we're not together. Um, and, and growing up in Boston and, and having such a big family, we were always together. So there's only certain times of the year now because our, our lives kind of revolve around the NFL calendar. Um, you know, the summer being the summer break, we're always in Cape Cod, but, um, you know, to work together, I, I think that would be the goal at this point. Yeah, I think it'd be a, a lot of fun um, just to have our kids all together and the wives um, to be able to root just for one team for the families. Because <laughs> I know it's always hard for my parents when we play each other. Um, but yeah, that would be the ultimate goal. I mean, it, it would be an unbelievable um, experience to be able to go to work every day with your brother and, um, you know, to help, you know, lead a franchise. Now, you, your teams have played in the playoffs against each other in the past. Dave, you were a linebacker's coach in Indianapolis when Mike's Chiefs team 
played in the postseason. Correct. What was that like to go up against each other in a high stakes playoff game? Yeah, um, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult on the families. It, it's I'm three and two right now. Uh, Versum uh, going back <laughs> to his days in Dallas. We played once in Dallas, once in Tampa, twice in India, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's difficult. Um, it, you know, I'm, uh, my parents. You know, we, we there's definitely split that that day. You know, on who they're going to root for, and they don't tell us. Um, you know, it's tough on them. Um, but uh, you know, that playoff game was special, though. You know, you just never know if that's ever going to happen again. Um, and I remember his family came out here and stay with us that day. So it's, um, it's, it, it can become a little awkward sometimes. Um, but y- you know, you have to, you know, just take, take for granted that, you know, it, it's just a special time, you know? Yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. It was probably my, if I had to rank two games that are most memorable, it's probably either one or two, um, in that season, that was 2018, we started out one and five. That was Frank Reich's first year, our first year in Indianapolis. You know, we start out one and five. We're really struggling. And all of a sudden, we rip off. We go nine and one to end the season. We beat Houston in the playoffs uh, in the first round. And then we go to Kansas City, you know, terrible weather. Uh, but the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs were a great team uh, that season and obviously beat us. But that was a very, very memorable game. It was special. Um, and the other game I'm thinking of, just for me, my first game in the NFL was in 2011. It was in New York City, right? It was 2000, uh, September 11th, 2000. So it was the 10-year anniversary, not 11. Uh, Cowboys at Jets. Um, Rex Ryan, the head coach of the Jets, Rob Ryan, the defensive coordinator. Just just to be part of that, you know, 10-year anniversary, you know, what that meant in, in New York. And uh, for that to be my first NFL game, it was really special. But one ring for the Brognazzi brothers right now, right? One ring? One. One yeah. ring right now, yeah. yeah. Got to get some more here. Yeah. That's the goal. Got a couple of state championships, though. But <laughs> <laughs> Those are smaller rings. <laughs> Who's got more state championships? I think Dave does, right? Because I do. I have two. Yeah, Dave has two. I had one. Yeah. So. And Dave, we could trade, we could trade those state, uh, state championships for a Super Bowl ring? A little bit harder to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so I probably would. It's just, it's such a competitive league. It's such a good league. It's so hard, um, to, to win and to get to that point. And if Mike's chiefs team is in the super bowl this year, will you be there to support? Oh, him? I'm, I'm going, Hey, I went to that super bowl. Actually, I think, yeah, I did go to both of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, the one in Miami where they won and the one in Tampa Bay was, was a tough one. Um, but I'll definitely be there out in Arizona. I won't take, I won't pass up on that opportunity. No, Mike, you're gonna have you're gonna be out there for him to have that trip or what? Absolutely, I hope so. I hope so. That's that's the goal, right? You know, we we have we got some work to do here, um, but you know, I'd love to have that opportunity. It was a special time the, the two times that we went and had my family down there, and Dave came both times. And um, of course, I remember the one in Miami more, um, and you know, him being there at the after hour party and you know being up late in the late in the the the, the morning and. Um, you know, those, those are special memories, but, uh, you know, hopefully we can create some more here. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking the time today to join me. Thank you very much. Good luck finishing up the season. Dave, thank you for the time and good luck to the bears. Mike, thank you for the time and good luck to the chiefs. We'll be in touch. And again, happy holidays to you and your families. Thank you. Thanks for having us on Adam. Appreciate it.
And there they are, the Borganzi brothers. Special thank you to them for their time. And now we get ready for one of our final Monday night trips of the year. And yes, I've already looked at the forecast in Green Bay. And yes, it's calling for single-digit temperatures, which means we're going to get an extended stay outside in the cold for the Monday night game between Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And just like we talked about the Lions and Jets being a matchup that would not have looked appealing, but actually is very appealing. This, when the schedule came out, looked to be the most attractive matchup on the Monday night slate. It doesn't carry that cachet anymore, but it is in its own way compelling. And it's compelling in large part because Baker Mayfield, I expect to be making his first start for the Los Angeles Rams after pulling out one of the more improbable victories of this or any recent season going 98 yards in the final minute plus 30 without any timeouts when you just joined that team 48 hours ago and really didn't know the playbook. He had a wristband of plays that Sean McVay was supposed to call in. And during the course of that game, Sean McVay called only two of the plays on Baker Mayfield's wristband. Everything else was freewheeling. And Baker Mayfield freewheeled the Rams to a victory. And now gets to go on the road to Green Bay in the frigid temperatures that await all of us on Monday night in what should be a storybook kind of setting to play in Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Should be a very intriguing night there in Green Bay. We look forward to that. And we hope for none of the travel adventures and hijinks that we've experienced throughout the course of this past season. All right, I want to thank the Borganzi brothers for their time today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week in this spot. We'll be back with more information, interviews, insight. And until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.